What is your favorite verse in Proverbs? Can you quote it or give it a shot at it? Anybody got a Proverbs verse they like a lot? Sandy? Great. Anyone else? Memorize anything in Proverbs? Much? Themes. You know, they have a lot of themes. There's a lot of great themes. Chapters 1 through 9 are all laden with my son, and they're establishing what wisdom is, how to go about it, how to get it, how to have it, what to do with it. And then in chapters 10 through 31 are how to live it out in various life circumstances. And those themes include not uh, only these, but Tongue, your tongue, humility, family, emotions, friendships, money, life and death, sexuality, and on and on. So there's a lot of topical things that you can research and go through. And we've made our way through most of the first nine chapters to look at briefly some of the things that are in there. And the last few weeks we want to take some themes and kind of develop them and at least get a survey of them. And tonight's theme in Proverbs is the tree of life. Um, the tree of life. Tell me what you know about the tree of life. doesn't have to be exhausted. Just tell me what you know. Wait, I know Sandy's arm works. Does anyone else? Sandy knows all. I get that. No, she does. She does a lot. Tell me something about the tree of life. Raise your hand. Yeah, Kevin. Okay, good. That was a good one. In the middle of the garden. That's actually important. Yes. Anyone else? Yeah. Joan? Okay, you have to eat it to have eternal life. Okay, that was the idea behind it. We'll elaborate on that, though. Go ahead, Sandy. Okay, there's a verse. Do you remember where? Yes. That's okay. Revelation 22, last chapter. The, it says the tree, and actually, does it say tree? Trees. Yeah, multiple trees on both sides of the river, and therefore the healing of the nations. So... It is more than eternal life, but it is that. What else do you know about the tree of life? Yes. No. Sorry. Yes. What kind of fruit? Do you know what they are? Yeah, I don't either. But So 12 different kinds of fruit, seemingly one fruit a month. Maybe, I don't know. But 12 fruits. How many of you like fruit? All righty then. How many of you, no, you're into that, what's that bowl place now you can go? Fruit of Bowls. Not, I didn't pay me to say this, but you ought to go there because it's really good. So fruit, 12 times, 12 months. What else do you know about the tree of life? T Tim. Are you in Proverbs? Yes. Don't steal my stuff, Tim. <laughs> yes, that is a great verse. Moving on. Um, Sue, 
You're going to say the fruit too? Okay. Pam? Yes. Okay. There is, it, you're barred from it. You can't have it anymore. Um, you sinned and now you, you, you know, no, no fruit from that tree anymore. Josie? Yes. What was it? The, the uh, adjacent tree? Knowledge of good and evil, right? So these are trees. There is, and we don't have time tonight, and it doesn't sound very interesting, but it is. Uh, if you get a chance, you can read things on it. There's a theology of trees in the Bible, and you might be shocked about how interesting it is. Um, go look in the Old Testament how many times the angel of the Lord came, or, or he came to talk to different people, and why he came to talk to them, and how many times, and this is the kind of tree it is, the terebinth tree. And how he, you can look it up on the internet, a terebinth tree has a really fat, wide, gnarly, kind of like an olive tree almost, base. If, if you give it time, it can grow to 30, 35 feet, and it spreads really wide. I mean really wide. And why they came there, and why they, it's, it all, it's a shade tree. And it's a big shade tree. So if you're going to talk to someone in the middle of the day, in a Middle Eastern culture, you would want to be under it because it would give you unbelievably good cooling off and shade-wise. And we would call it today, it's akin to a pistachio tree. And I won't, I won't go into all of it just to prime the pump a little bit. They don't usually grow in multiple trees together. You don't go into a terebinth tree, pistachio tree forest usually. There's not usually a bunch of them. They are usually solitary. And so when you said, I'm going to meet you under the terebinth tree, you would say, if there was 30 of them, which one? But you don't say that because when you're walking in a desert place and it's all open and there's one gigantic fat tree standing there, you know exactly where it is. So you can see it from a long way off. That's why it was so usable to have meetings and things. Judges in the Old Testament sat under the tree and people would come to them because if you're going to sit there and judge people all day, you don't want to do it in the middle of being in the sun. So, but there is a really cool, really cool theology of trees. So something for homework this week. What about us, though? The tree of life equals, and I'm going to put this in your mind because when we get to Proverbs, we're going to see how it's used. Now, in the text, the, the biblical text, the tree of life is, not surprisingly, is mentioned four times in Genesis. Okay? It's mentioned... Four times in Revelation. But what people don't know, there's the Genesis ones, if you want to write them down. There's the Revelation ones. We're going to come back to it in a minute in the slides a little bit later. But there are four of them also in Proverbs. Thus the theme tonight. Okay? So we don't, we're not surprised in Genesis because we all know the Garden of Eden story. But here's how the trees work, all right? Um, the trees are, if I could say, a progression of trees. So we have the tree of life in the Garden of Eden, right? Now, and you may not be familiar with this, but then the Bible moves on from that because we've been expelled from the Garden of Eden, and that tree is no longer of access. So you could say this way, that this is the story of the entire Bible, and every story kind of points to it, is that we were excluded from the tree... Remember what the, the slide said? Equals God's presence. They couldn't be, they walked with God in the cool of the day. They had the presence. They could talk with him. And they weren't afraid of him. 
and they weren't sinful. But when they sinned and took the tree, the fruit, they lost all of that. So they couldn't be in God's presence anymore. So then we go to the end of the Bible and we see the tree of life given back. So we could say, here's what the, from the old creation to the new creation, that the story of the Bible is, how do we get back to eat from the tree of life? We lost the right, and now we're going to see if we can get it back and what has to take place to get us there. So that's the progression. And, and in between, here's how we get back there. If you know anything about the temple, which is the second one on the screen for you, that there are three things about the temple. This was also true of the tabernacle, but on a far smaller scale. If you know anything about them, you'll know that there was an outer court, there was an inner court, which was called the holy place, and then the inner court was called the inner of all, holy of holies. And remember that this was made on scale based on when Moses went up into Mount Sinai, okay, he got the pattern, read the book of Hebrews, he got a pattern from God. The tabernacle was not just made and this is how it turned out. No, it was made specifically because this is how it works in God's presence. Okay, in heaven, so to speak, I would think that there is there's an outer court and there's an inner court. And then there's the Holy of Holies where God's actually presence is dwelling. So when you get to the tabernacle, that's how you had... So here's how it is in heaven. You have earth, which is the outer court and the sky and everything in our planet, atmosphere... The, the next court is the universe with all the stars and, and, the, and the sun and the lights. And then the third court, so to speak, is God in heaven beyond all of that. And the Bible was very clear that God made it so it would look like that. Now, you, if you've never seen what the tabernacle and, and even more specifically the temple look like, it would shock you. It is not what you think. Um, you go in there, and all the things on the outer court were made because that's where people... Remember when Jesus went into the temple, and they were selling the doves and the animals, and he got so angry and made a whip and drove out the money changers? Do you remember what he said, why he did it? He said that you shall not make my father's house of prayer, right, into a den of thieves... And then he added in another gospel that this is God's house of prayer for all the nations. On the outer courts is where the Gentiles would come because God's goal in all of this is that all the nations would worship him. So the outer courts are where the people could come and you could come there to worship but you could only go so far. And then there were signs. In Jesus' day there were brick walls and they had little Jewish signs on them that if you go past this and you're not... If you're a woman and you pass this, or you're a Gentile and you go past this, you will forfeit your life because they would kill you because you've made it unclean. You could go if you're a man a little bit further in. And if you were a priest, you could go even further in, into the inner court and do things in there that was ministry. And then only one person, the high priest on the Day of Atonement and Yom Kippur, could go into the holy place. And he'd have to wear certain things. And he had the 12 jewels of the, you know, all the tribes of Israel on it representing them and he would go in there and he'd wear a bell on his around the, the, the outfit on the bottom so and a rope tied to his foot because if he died in there because his heart wasn't pure before God, they couldn't go in and get him. They'd have to drag him out. And so th it was that serious. And so you got the outer court, the inner court, and you got the holy of holies. And, and that's what you have in the temple. And on the temple, the curtains in there and on the walls over over read Exodus chapter 21 for yourself it was designed so that there were pomegranates and there were palm trees 
and there were cherubim, which is the angels with multiple wings. And why was all that all over the curtain? And why was it all over the walls? Because when you walked in there, you're supposed to think this. It's the Garden of Eden. And there's the curtain. And see, the cherubim is on there. This big stitched-in angel is on there. And you can't go by him because you can't get into where God is. And you can go, the ark was behind all that. And you could never even see it. Why? Because you were locked out. You can only go so far. And then the third tree is Calvary's tree. Interestingly enough, there's a few times in the New Testament, not surprisingly, that the temple itself and all of its things and structures, especially in the courts, were made of wood. And there was a thing in the inner court, the court where people could go into, and it was called the lampstand. Okay? It was incredibly tall, huge, and it had three stylized branches coming out of it with cups on the end for blossoms. And that was supposed to be a stylized picture of the tree of life. And it, would, it had lights in it. And it would glow because in that court, all the lamps and all the moons and sun, that was supposed to take place because that's what it represented. And it was the tree of life. And it always, it had to be, always had fuel in it, always had its, it trimmed so it would never go out. Because the idea is, see, out of the presence of God flows eternal life and the tree's right outside of that. And so if you want to get it, you, you have to come to where God is. But the fact that you couldn't go into his presence meant you could only get on a limited level. Everything was made of wood. Everything was made of a tree, right? And so you come to the third tree, and it's Jesus. He's dying on a cross. He wasn't, he wasn't knifed to death. He wasn't strangled. He wasn't shot. He, wasn't, he didn't have his head cut off. He was crucified on a tree. And Peter makes a big deal out of it. In 1 Peter 2 he says that Jesus took our sins and he bore it on the tree. Why? Because his tree is the way back in. His tree is the tree of life. His tree is the way that we get back into God's presence. What was the very last thing he told the thief? Not a robber who steals things, but he's a lestai in the Greek. It's an insurrectionist. He was a rebellion against Rome. That's what all three of them were there. Those were ca- Stealing wasn't a capital punishment, but rebelling against Rome was. Jesus and the two guys were all in the same boat in that sense. But he says to the guy next to him, who says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he says what? Today, you will be with me where? Oh, in paradise. In the garden of God. Why? Could, because this is the tree that is now back available to you, and you're the first one who's going to get it, right? So the Calvary tree, and then it says at the very end of the Bible, in the New Jerusalem texts, that there's going to be trees, but not a tree, but trees lining, right? And they don't just have fruit for a season. and No, they bear fruit, all of them, all year long. So here's the idea. As long as you're in God's presence, and by the way, it says there is no temple anymore. Did you ever notice that? Why? Because God and the Lamb are the temple. It's been ch- you don't need a temple to go into and see. And that's all done. Why? Because Jesus fulfilled all of that. He says that's the tree of life. If you want life and its fullness and its abundance and all that God has ever planned for you, like he did for Adam and Eve, you have to come through Jesus to get it, and he'll give it to you abundantly. And all the fullness of God's presence can be yours. Now that's what it means. 
That's the whole point of the Bible from beginning to end. So why the verses in Proverbs? Because here's what God wants you to know, that you can experience life. You can experience God's presence every day through the wise living and choices that you make. That's what Proverbs wants you to know. And so he gives you a few ideas about what that would look like and how you can do it. So there are four of them. The tree of life in Proverbs, experiencing God's presence through wise living. So there are four things, and each one of them have this very similar phrase. This, it names the thing, and it says, is like or is a tree of life. So we're going to look at them briefly and unpack them one at a time. If you'll turn there, Proverbs 3.18. We briefly covered this one already, so we're not going to spend an over amount of time on it. But look at Proverbs 3.18. Talking about woman wisdom. Verse 13 first. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom, the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver. Her profit is better than gold. So this is talking about the value of woman wisdom. And remember, this is written to my son. And he's talking about wisdom as if it's a woman. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. What does she offer? Well, she offers quantity of life, because remember, it's going to come from the tree of life. So quantity of life and quality of life. Quantity in her long life is in her one hand, riches and honor on the other. So she offers you both quality and quantity of life. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all of her paths are peace. You want to smooth your life out a little bit, get rid of some of the chaos and and, and miss some of the, the potholes in life you didn't have to go through, then grab wisdom. Go her ways. Now, what, here's our verse. She is the, a tree of life. See that? She's going to tell you how to enjoy God's presence in this world through wise living. So here's what he says. And, and about being graphic, these are intimate terms. In other words, this is about having a relationship with someone. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. So this is something that you do because you have a relationship. So here's what he's saying to his son. Here's what you say to your children. Here's what you say to yourself. Why would I get out of bed every day and miss out on some sleep? Why would I do that? Because here's what I need. I need this woman in my life. I need woman wisdom, and I need to choose her, and I need to love her, and I need to have a close relationship with her, and I need to see that she is far more valuable. And this is the problem, isn't it? Our kids think that it's more valuable to play video games, and they think it's more po- to be popular with their friends and to be on social media and be Facebook, and then to grow up and get a degree and make all this money and have all these things. And See, they don't understand, do they, what really matters and what's most important. We haven't taught them with our lips or perhaps with our life, about our example, about what really matters, what's really valuable. Here's what it says. You want to access the tree of life living? You better grab hold of her. And the idea is what? That there is another woman that is an option. And we've seen her all through the Proverbs. See, Eve was a woman who had the chance to be woman wisdom, and she chose wrongly. Did you ever notice in the Bible when it says about Eve taking from the fruit of the tree in Genesis 3, 6, that when she looked at it, it said, 
it was what? It was good to eat, and it was desirable to make one? Yes. See the difference? Woman wisdom offers a certain wisdom to live by, but there's another woman. And she offers a completely different wisdom to live by. And James, in his epistle put in the New Testament, says, see, there's a wisdom that comes from above, which is from God, and names all the characteristics of it. And he says there's a wisdom that comes from the below, and that's from the devils, the demons, Satan, and it has all of its characteristics. And see, here's what he's saying. Choose this woman, this wisdom. Listen to her about who you're going to date. Listen to her about what life's about and the purpose of Listen to her and, and, and hold on to her. Get close to her. This is the woman you, you need to love, right? And so here's what he says. Here's the starting block. You want to have a tree of life daily in your life? You want to know fullness and abundance like God really meant it to be? It all starts with who you're going to love, what woman you're going to have in your life, metaphorically, as far as wisdom of this world or wisdom of God. Secondly, and, and somewhat strangely, is the one that Tim mentioned, Proverbs 11 and verse 30, if you'll turn there. The fruit of righteousness is, there it is again, is a tree of life. And our version, ESV says, and whoever captures souls is wise. If you look at the Tanakh, which is the Jewish version of the Old Testament, they would say it like this, and I'm looking for mine, a wise man captivates people. So when you say, he who wins souls is wise, what do you think of? What is winning souls in today's Christianity? Well, evangelism, right? Do you know what an anachronism is? An anachronism is reading your own context back into the Bible. In other words, so it says this, and when I hear those words, I put 21st century American definitions with it. Well, they wouldn't have called evangelism winning souls in Solomon's time. They wouldn't have said that. So it doesn't really mean evangelism, but what does it mean? It says, let me read it for you again. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and whoever captivate a wise person will captivate people what does that mean what is true about a wise person what is true about a person whose life is producing righteous fruit who's living before god vertically in a way that he has got the tree of life what's going to be true of that person's life they are going to it's the second half they're going to be they're going to captivate people in other words, people are going to look at their lives and wonder where it came from. Look at their lives and be captivated by that person and how they live their life. That's what the fruit of righteousness, not when you just say you're righteous, but when you live your righteous. So when people see the fruit of the righteousness of God in your life, you're going to have an impact on them. So what is the tree of life? The tree of life is not something you grab and eat like Adam and Eve, thinking about how you can be independent of God and do your own thing for yourself alone. That's what got him in trouble. That's what Satan's wisdom is. What is the true tree of life? The true fruit, the true free, tree, the, letter, the true, blah, the tree of life, we're going to stop there. Here's what happens when it's true, when you have its fruit in your life. You will produce fruit, right, that not only helps you, but changes people's lives. 
That's what he wants. I think he says, it's not just about you eating the fruit for you. It's about you and the difference it makes knowing God and his abundance and how that captivates other people. That's what true wisdom is um, in chapter 11 and verse 30. The third one is chapter 13, just a page or two over. Chapter 13 and verse 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. What are some things in your life, or anyone's life, not yours particularly perhaps, that you really, really want and desire to have come, and you have a kind of a period of time in your life where you want it to happen, whether quickly or over a certain pay, pers- uh, you know, time of your life, but it doesn't. And it really, really is disappointing. I mean, frustrating and maybe to the point of depressing. What are some things that take... Yes, Elaine? Okay, people want to get married and... Yes, time passes and they're not. So they're looking, they get really frustrated because that's a really strong desire they have and it isn't happening when they thought it would. So it makes their heart sick. That was a psychological way in the Old Testament saying it makes you discouraged, depressed, heartbroken. If if you're going to have children, you get married and then you have children and and that doesn't happen for you. One of my best friends in college was married and they, they tried for seven years, Dan Miller and Beth, um, to have children and never could and almost basically virtually gave up. They had been to doctors and so forth and so on. And as soon as they gave up, now they've had five. <laughs> and, but, you know, it was, you talk to them and, you know, obviously they're trying to love God through it and that would never change for them. But, but it's not easy. But it's, it's discouraging. It's, it's depressing. If that's what you set your heart on, it doesn't happen, right? What else? Yes. Financial freedom, yes. That you're going to pay your school loans off and you're not going to have to pay on that car. And on, on top of that, maybe you, you said, you know, I think it's about time I got this promotion and got that raise to make those payments. And you get passed over and that, you don't get that job or that promotion. Or, you know, how many are going to be discouraged if your, your tax return isn't what you think it's going to be since you may have already spent it? Right? That's discouraging. What else? Yes? Yes, you have a marriage and you're not, and you think, oh, it's going to get better. And then the year passes and years pass and it doesn't get better. You have a disease and they tell you that it's going to, we're going to handle it. And the first surgery doesn't and second surgery doesn't and the treatments don't. And you get tired, it wears you out, and the cure hasn't come yet. Discouraging, isn't it? You know, those things take place in our lives, and we get depressed, we get discouraged. But here's what Proverbs says in chapter 13 and verse 12. That hope deferred, you have to push it off, keep putting it off. If you have, if you have to keep hoping and hoping and hoping, and it never happens... It makes you depressed. But in contrast, a desire fulfilled, a desire fulfilled is like a tree of life. And God says you have to have the wisdom to hang on, right? To have your hope 
But when that day finally comes and you get married or you, you, know, you get the promotion or the doctor says, it's not here tonight, Kathy Cray had surgery this past week and she called me on the phone and says, so excited. She goes, Pastor Walker, they said, I'm free of cancer. They got it all. That's what the doctor said. Unequivocally, he said. And that, see, that's when the desire is fulfilled. It's like a tree of life. It, it's, a, it's joy and abundance and fullness that comes from, see, but God says, that's what kind of life I give you. My, your life is going to be filled with fulfillment, not because everything's going to go your way, he says, but you can have the wisdom to know that your do- desires can be filled by me. Does anybody know Psalm 1611 by heart? Mary? Yes, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. See how they're full and they're forever. I mean, you can't get any better than that. And God says, live the way I tell you to live. Live the wise way. Live out my wisdom. And that's the kind of fullness that you can enjoy in your life. Lastly, Proverbs 15 and verse 4. Last use of tree of life in Proverbs. A gentle tongue, circle it there, is a tree of life. In contrast, as many of the uh, Proverbs are, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Makes a broken spirit. And it says there, a gentle tongue. Now, another translation says, a healthy tongue. Kind of gross, but I looked up, I I read healthy tongue, and so I looked it up, and I didn't realize all the, I didn't put any pictures on the screen because (laughs) scary, beyond belief, what can go wrong with your tongue. It's really bizarre. I mean, there's one called hairy tongue. Yeah, you, you can guess. Uh, do you know all these Kawasaki uh, disease actually can make your tongue swell? Am I saying it right? Okay. Um, then they have burning sensation tongue, bright red tongue, and they have fissure tongue. Literally, it looks like your, your tongue becomes a piece of raw meat. It's all beat up. And then there's blisters and cancer. I mean, it was discouraging to watch this thing. Um, healthy tongue. I mean, I guess it, obviously it's a big deal. They can look at your tongue and tell a bunch of things about your health. And you know what? Same true spiritually. You know, you can listen to someone's speech and how they talk and how they communicate to others, and you can tell a lot about where they are. In fact, look at the verse preceding it. See, a gentle tongue is a tree of life. In other words, you talk gently to people under control, you're calm. And look at verse 1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. In my marriage counseling sessions, I have a section on communication. And I give statistics about the three forms of communication. They are verbal, nonverbal, and then gestures. You know, you can have verbal, and then you can have nonverbal, meaning my tone of voice. And then gestures, my face, my hands, and all the rest that goes with it. And I ask people, what do you think is most important as far as the world is concerned? And every survey I read, I still read, it's always the tone of voice. 
that's what matters to them most. And in God's word, it's the opposite. It's obviously the things you say, the actual words are important, but God has all of them. And here the text, it says, it's not just the, a soft answer. So how you speak to someone at times is just as important as what you speak to them in your marriage relationship. And it tells a lot about your marriage and the relationship. If you listen to people talk as husband and wife, you can tell if there's health there, if you can tell that there's a tree of life, right? If they're living out the abundance, if they're living out God's presence, if they're using his wisdom, you can see that. Why? Not just what they say, but how they say it. You, you, you know, there's a lot of ways you could put that. You can say, like, you know, um, you don't look so good. Or I could say, you don't look so good, right? And one of them means you're kind of mild, you may, but the other one means <laughs> you better go do something with yourself in front of the mirror or something, right? So it, it, I said the same words, but the way I said them were completely different. Would you please leave? Would you please leave? Same words, different tone of voice, right? So does it matter? Yeah, and here's what the Bible says. You know what a tree of life is? You know how you impact others positively? By your speech, your tongue. He says, a gentle tongue is a tree of life. Do people feel encouraged and edified by being around you? Is it obvious that you're living out God's presence and the tree of life is part of who you are? Do you have that in your life? And do people hear it in the words you say, how you respond? So you can't control what people say, but you can respond to how you respond to what people say. And how you lose your temper and the anger and the tone of voice and see harsh, soft, gentle, you get the idea? Those things are a really good indication about whether... God's presence is really dwelling in your life and who's in control of your life and whose wisdom you're, you're living by. Because here's what God says. You know, the tree of life is not just something that we'll get fully in the future. It's part of our lives as, right now as Christians if you're willing to live every day in the wisdom of God in all those areas of your life. Let's pray. Father, we ask your help. We're so thankful that you've given us the greatest help we needed because Jesus died on the tree. He became a curse for us. And when the veil was split in two, we had access back into your presence. And now someday when all of this restoration has been totally completed, uh, we'll enjoy the tree of life and all of its fruits and benefits for eternity. Oh, we look forward to that day. But until it happens, Lord, may the tree of life be obvious in our life by the wisdom that we use to make choices and decisions in areas of our life and how we relate to one another. And Father, I pray that that abundance that comes from your holy presence might be obvious in big ways, in small ways, in all ways in our lives, that Jesus Christ might be glorified, the one who died on the tree for us. May it be so, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.